Good evening. Wisdom Eccentrics by Natural Rinpoche, Chapter 10. Yeah, but you will need to understand all that I explain, he barked. And then maybe, if finally you are no longer a Tomyor, then maybe transmission of Zogchen may be possible. But maybe you remain Tomyor. Then nothing. Lengthy silence. Now you leave. Chapter 10. Call me whatever you like. Yeah, Rinpoche yawned with amazing ostentation. So you are still here. You have not run away yet. No, Rinpoche, I will not run away, whatever happens. Rinpoche laughed, a stern, cold laugh. Ha! But maybe Kunzangdorje will beat you. I'll see what that's like, Rinpoche, I replied, not knowing what else to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you become a cunning Tomyor. Kunzangdorje beats you, then you fetch Indian police. Then they arrest Kunzangdorje and throw him into prison. I actually smiled at that and Rinpoche noticed. No, Rinpoche, I don't think I'd do that even if you beat me. You've warned me, so it's my choice. Rinpoche sat observing me for a few minutes in silence and so I sat attem attempting to let go of arising thoughts. That was not difficult because there was nothing to think. My whole body coursed with sensations, however, and they took my attention in a way that is not really describable. It was as if I were aware of my blood and lymphatic systems circulating. Yesterday we speak of Dokiense. Today we talk more of Paltrow. Rinpoche began without commenting on my answer. But now a story for questions. Today I will tell you of Paltrow. This story is not well known. Some people say it is not a story of Paltrow. I say it is a story of Paltrow because it is told in my land and they know it there as a story of Paltrow. There didn't seem to be much to say in answer to that, but Rinpoche was wearing an I am waiting for your reply expression, so I scurried around mentally to find something that was not entirely lame. It's more important to me that you want me to hear the story than what people say about the story. There was no more to say. I found myself that I was a little surprised that I was not immediately the subject of a nerve-wracking inquisition. Rinpoche shrugged and began the tale. At one time during Paltrow's wanderings he came to hear of a monk who'd spent many years in retreat meditating on the perfection of patience. As Paltrow was passing on his way, not so far from the monk's cave, he decided that a visit might be in order. 
he left the path he'd been following and took the precipitous track that led to the cave. It was a tiring climb in which all he met were a few wisps of cloud and a rambunctious goat. On arriving, he paused at the entrance of the cave and waited to see whether he would be invited to take tea. When the monk noticed Paltrel on his doorstep, he motioned him in with a look of irritation. Paltrel entered the cave and offered a courteous greeting to its somewhat lugubrious and dishevelled inhabitant. To his slight surprise, he was met with three questions delivered in a rather abrupt fashion. Who are you? Where do you come from? And where are you going? Paltrel replied, I am the one you're looking at. I come from down there a ways, and it looks as if I shall be headed back that way pretty soon. The monk paused momentarily, but soon thought up another three questions, which he issued with a sneer. Where were you born? To what do you owe your appearance and why have you come here? Paltrel replied, I was born on the earth. My appearance is merely a matter of default and my presence here has no significance. The monk now looked distinctly edgy. It took him a little longer to dredge up another set of questions, but after an evident struggle, he issued them with a distinct bark. What's your name? What's your meditation? And who's your llama? Call me whatever you like, Paltrel replied. My meditation is whatever arises in my mind, and my llama is undivided from that. This silenced the monk completely, so Paltrel decided to ask him a question. Why do you live in poverty in a miserable cave in this remote and desolate place? The monk looked somewhat relieved and answered Paltrel, jeering, to practice virtue, to live in peace and to avoid fools like you. Paltrel composed a series of gesticulations that indicated something to the effect of how could I have been so foolish not to have understood? I apologise for disturbing you then, but now I'm here, might I prevail upon you as a revered colleague to reveal the nature of your practice? The monk adopted a haughty expression. I have spent 20 years here perfecting the attainment of patience in all things, and I admonish you to do likewise. At this, Paltrel could no longer contain his amusement. How could a pair of clowns like us ever achieve that? This was too much for the monk. He was thoroughly enraged and cursed Paltrel in the vilest manner for his gross spiritual misconduct. Have you now no shame in the presence of a real practitioner? Paltrel shrugged and the monk gave vent to a further torrent of unseemly invective. Paltrel listened patiently to the conclusion of the monk's tirade and apologised once more for his intrusion and inappropriate behaviour. My only excuse, Paltrel allowed, 
is my complete ignorance of such profound manifestations of perfect patience as you display. Rinpoche eyed me carefully and leaned forward slightly. This added to the menace of his presence. And so, he said at length, what do you understand? Well, Rinpoche, Tsar Paltrow was obviously showing the monk that he'd been wasting his time in retreat in the cave. Rinpoche looked at me for a while. Yeah, this is obvious, but why does Paltrow go round interfering with people and making judgments? I was a little taken aback by this question and pondered it for a while. Yes, Rinpoche, I can see that, but it may not have been Tsar Paltrow's initial intention to make judgments or to interfere. Then what else is his motivation for visiting this monk? Rinpoche asked in a slightly less menacing tone. It seems to me as if he'd just wanted to visit a practitioner and then he'd met with rudeness. Paltrow seemed simply to be responding to the monk's aggressive questioning. Rinpoche grinned extremely slightly. Then, after some moments of silence, Yeah, so it is with spiritual people sometimes. Always something to be proved. Always a position to take. Always status being sought. Then he looked at me very intently and roared, You must never behave this way. That was shocking in a different way from the other shocks I'd received. Rinpoche was actually deigning to give me personal advice. Thank you for this, Rinpoche. I will always remember your words and never behave in such a way. Rinpoche eyed me cautiously. Yeah, and so? You have never sought status before? No, Rinpoche, not really. Then why do you thank me for advice you don't need? Rinpoche barked. This time I had a quick and vaguely non-idiotic answer. I don't know what will happen in the future, Rinpoche, and so if I remember your advice, it will be there if I should get involved with any kind of status wrangling. Yeah, 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 Rinpoche looked at me and gave a slight nod, as if to say that my answer was plausible. We sat in silence for some moments, and then it occurred to me that I'd not been entirely honest. When I said I'd never been involved with status, Rinpoche, I was thinking only of my life as a practitioner. When I was younger, I was a musician, a vocalist with a band, and then certainly I wanted to rise as far as it was possible to rise. I had a lot of ambition in art and poetry too. Rinpoche laughed, but this time there seemed to be some lightness about his laughter. It was not that hard-edged laughter which was the precursor to an interrogative, interrogative assault. Oh, yeah, 
This is not the status that I ask you about. This is not a problem. Why do anything if you don't wish to excel? And as long as you did nothing to harm others in order to rise up high, there is no harm. But can you say that? Can you say you caused no harm? Yes, I can say that, Rinpoche. Rinpoche nodded and seemed almost on the verge of smiling. I simply sat there with widened eyes, waiting for what would come next. Rinpoche said nothing for what seemed an unusual length of time, and then in a quiet, gentle tone he continued, Whatever people do or say, be friendly with everyone. Keep your natural courtesy, just as you do with me, no matter how angry this bad Kunzang Dorje becomes. How can I avoid falling into this kind of trap, apart from remembering kindness at all times? I asked. Rinpoche shrugged and replied, just be natural. Now it seemed my turn to sit in silence. I did not know how to respond to that. Rinpoche had shouted an instruction at me and then melted back into some kind of sublime passivity as if it had never happened. The injunction, you must never behave this way, followed by the mild advice, just be natural seemed to cause me some kind of emotional ambivalence about how he saw me. Was I someone to be shouted at as if I were likely to act in an arrogant way? Or was I someone who merely needed the gentle reminder to be natural? Maybe I was both. I found myself trying to form a question around that, but it took quite a while to find words. Rinpoche did nothing to hurry me. And eventually I asked, I feel, I know that I like people and I'd rather be kind than anything else. Sometimes people are difficult or unpleasant, but I don't think I have much natural inclination to take them on or fight with them in any way. So is there any advice that would be helpful when I meet with aggression? Rinpoche laughed. Give up bothering what people say about you. Don't imitate this sharp tongue of mine. Don't get involved in arguments with intellectual tomyours. Don't copy the cleverness of speech that delights scholastic tomyours. Don't bother to defend yourself against the speech of power-seeking tomyours. And... Don't try to please pious Tom yours. I've often thought about this story and the stylistics of spiritual rhetoric. I've seen enactments of such spiritually deranged behaviour played out many times in India, Nepal and Buddhist centres in the West. As soon as people get some concept of themselves as being committed Buddhists, especially Tibetan Buddhists, they seem to need to publicise the fact in their interactions with others. I've observed various modes, the subtle put-down, the cautionary note, the gentle softly spoken reproval, 
the knowledgeable retort, the tone of righteous indignation, the sanctimonious quotation of higher authority and holier-than-thou smugness. I'd thought that these things were the result of Western neurosis, but this story points to the fact that dysfunctional behaviour has a venerable history. Rinpoche eyed me with curiosity. You are a kind man, I think. Are you a kind man? Or is this just the face you show me? I try to be a kind man, Rinpoche. That is to say, I, I like to be kind and there's no pleasure for me in being unkind. The face I show you is, well, I don't show you a face. What you see is what you get. So apart from the fact that I want you to like me, this is what I am. Yeah, I can see this. You do not lie to me. And maybe you will not run away. So to be kind, just be natural. Stay as you are. Just try not to be a Tomyor. Maybe you will not always be a Tomyor. Maybe that is possible. Maybe not. We will see. I had no response to that, apart from glowing with the idea that I could prove myself to him, that I could release myself from the bonds of idiocy. Those who can't act with kindness, Rinpoche continued after some minutes of silence, are hardly human, let alone practitioners. Even animals have more dignity. But still, you must also learn how to see clearly so that you will not be a Tomyor. What do you say? I will try not to be an idiot, Rinpoche. Trying is useless. If a Tomyor tries not to be a Tomyor, how can such a person ever hope to be more than a Tomyor? What does a Tomyor know of not being a Tomyor? You must see. You must be clear. You must know what is fabricated and what is not. Rinpoche seemed to sense the light come on. I'd understood something. So an idiot's idea of what is not idiocy can only be idiocy? Rinpoche smiled very, very, very faintly. Oh, yeah, maybe you understand this. It is possible I may see you tomorrow. Come anyway. But now... It is time to leave because you are tired. And maybe this bad Kunzangdorje has shouted too much. <laughs>